contributions. You are cursed, you are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And therefore put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. This is the word of the Lord. New Testament reading, 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8. The cheerful giver. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly, or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that you have all sufficiency in all things at all times. You may abound in every good work. This is the word of the Lord. Would you please stand for the reading of the gospel? Luke chapter 21, Jesus looked upon, looked up, and saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box. And he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. And he said, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. For they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. This is the word of the Lord. Would you pray with me? Father God, we love you. God, I just thank you um, for your word, that it's available to us. And and God, sometimes we misuse the fact that you've presented it to us in such an easy form to get that, God, sometimes we don't cherish it like we should. God, I pray right now as we open your word and study your word and dig into the truth of your word, That God, in this moment, that you would just take away all those distractions that are waiting for us when the service ends and all the anxiety and fear and all the things that needs to happen when tomorrow starts. And God, would you just in this moment meet with us in a way that reminds us that you are bigger than our tomorrow. And so God, we just pray that you would meet with us. And God, we know your presence. We know you're omnipresent. We know that you are everywhere. But God, tonight, this morning, we just pray that we would sense your manifest presence, that we would know, not just because we know in our heads, but God, we would sense in our hearts and our souls that you are with us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, guys, you need to take a seat. You need your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, it's in front of you. Trust me, you need it. All we do here is Bible study. And so uh, it's right there in front of you. Acts chapter 5 is where we're going to be at. Uh, If we have not met yet, my name is uh, Pastor Ryan Stone, and I am uh, one of the pastors here at the Church of 1122. If there's not a Bible in front of you, then you can raise your hand and we'll get you one. Um, Just lots, uh, uh, just make sure you hear me. You need a Bible. We're going to study it, all right? Uh, Here's what we need to do. We got a lot of work to be done 
today, which is normal. And so we're just going to kind of dig right in. And let me just go ahead and from the start tell you the truth. We're going to talk about money today. Why, why, why don't we get any like riot applauses for that? Um, yeah, hey, we're going to talk about money. We're going to talk about your checkbook. We're, gonna, we're just all going to get vulnerable and bring our wallets and our purses out and just get vulnerable in here, right? You excited? If you're new today, the person that brought you just went, crap. I've been trying to get this person to come to church for 10 weeks now, and they finally show up, and we're going to talk about money. Um, but we're not just going to beg you for your money, so don't worry about that. And, uh, and actually, I just also want you to hear this. I'm not going to spend the next you know, hour or so, or maybe even less if you're well-behaved, um, trying to get you to trust me. Like My goal is not to stand up here and beg for your trust or beg for your money. Um, over the next 30, 45 minutes, my job is to say, this is what God's word says about your heart. And then I'm just going to trust the Holy Spirit to lead you to respond, right? And so let me just go ahead and tell you that when we talk about money, there's an elephant in the room because um, this is church and you're not, get out of my wallet and that's okay. Uh, And I'll just tell you, there's an elephant in the room about money because of um, some trust issues that have just been developed. And uh, we spent a little time researching, and here's what I mean. These are just a few. In 2007 in Houston, Texas at Bethel, Institutional Ministries, Pastor Charles and his wife were arrested for stealing more than $400,000 from their church. November 2009 in Oakley, California, Live Oak Community Church, elders filed a lawsuit against their pastor for taking $110,000 on a mortgage in the name of the church and then uh, gambling it all away. In April 2010, Lakeland, Florida, Mount Zion Missionary Baptist Church, put that on a business card, Pastor Joe is accused of stealing 110000 October 2011, Las Vegas, Nevada, St. Elizabeth Ann Seton Catholic Church. Father Kevin pleads guilty for stealing $650,000 from the church. January 2012, Fayetteville, Pennsylvania, Flint Ridge Baptist. Pastor Kenneth and a female church member are accused for stealing $30,000. January 2012, Savannah, Georgia, at New Harvest International Ministries, Pastor Terrell admitted to stealing more than $201,000. And then, and then just, this is just one that we kind of all heard the stories about, but 1984 through 1987, TV evangelist Jim Baker kept more than $3.4 million in bonuses and paid his mistress $279,000 to silence her. The problem with this list is not that it took our staff hours upon hours to find the information. The problem is is that the the list was so exhaustive, it took our team hours to condense it down to something that I could share with you in a matter of moments. And so I I just want to call it out, and let's just be honest. um, If you've got some trust issues built up with church and money, I don't blame you. Like, I really don't. Like, you read read that track list and you go, um, so what's going on here? What's going on here? And, and, and so what we want to do today is not, not go through and, and have examples of how we're going to, you know, we're going to share some of how we handle our budget. We're going to be open and honest, right? We're, we're not hiding anything. But what I want to do this morning is just go, what does God's word say about you, your heart, and your money? And let's just let the defenses of trust, let's just set them down for a second. And let's just talk about you, your heart, and money. Now, I want to give some of you guys the out 
right? This is, you know, it's what we do here. We want to give you the out. Um, if you're a first-time guest, you kind of get the out. Uh, we'd love for you to pay attention. We're just going to uh, kind of family business. We're just going to kind of share what's going on in the family. And you kind of got, you've been in that situation where you got invited over to go to dinner, and then like halfway through dinner at the family's house, dad said, all right, we need to talk about something. And you're sitting in your chair going, I don't think I should be here. And you got like the napkin, you're trying to hide behind it, and it just got real weird, right? Like mom and daddy ain't sleeping in the same bed tonight weird. Like it's just awkward. And so just come on in. We're going to talk about family business and you'll be that awkward guest trying to hide behind your bulletin. That's fine. I know who you are. You're sitting next to the people who just a second ago said crap, right? So I'm, you're the person either to the right or the left. And the reason your friend said crap is because we know that uh, people don't go to church because three reasons. One, they think, well, I'm a believer and I can, uh, I can, ha- I can do church. I can love Jesus without being a part of a church, which is just weird, right? You ever seen a body part just laying on the side of the street, and you're like, oh, that body part must, must be doing life without the body. No, that's creepy, right? So don't be the little hand from the Adams family. Get connected, right? Uh, the second reason people stop going to church is because uh, church is filled with hypocrites, to which I always want to go, maybe we should buy you a mirror because you'll fit in, right? Come on. We know we're dysfunctional. Just be a part of the family. We're all dysfunctional, right? And the third reason is, well, every time I show up to preach, they talk about money, <laughs> Well, you just kind of accidentally hit this one on the wrong day because we don't always talk about money. We always talk about the gospel here. So um, we're going to talk about the gospel and see what it does with our money, right? Uh, If you don't trust us, right, if you don't trust us with your money, that's okay. When when we get to the response time, then uh, we would like for you to invest your money in a ministry that you trust in. Like we're not, this is not the Church 1122, you know, we're not going to like, you know, charge you a fee on the way out the door. If you don't trust us, then Billy Graham Ministries, phenomenal, high trustworthy. Let me say this though, it, it troubles me that you would trust me with the most precious thing we have, teaching you God's word but you may not trust our leadership in our church with your money. I think you, you may have that backwards. You may want to wrestle with that for a little bit. This, this is the most trustworthy thing, right? When I'm teaching you God's word, to trust us with that. So I only say that to say, if you don't trust me and Pastor Joby and our leadership team, then it might be time for you to invest in another church where you trust the people. And that's not a, like, get out of here. That's just a, you need, you need to wrestle with that one. All right? If you're not sure this is your church, you're hanging out trying to see, that's cool. Um, it, when it is your church, guess what? We want you to be a part of us all the way. Uh, and then if, you're, if you have not surrendered your life to Jesus, like if you're in the room and you're like, hey, I'm checking this Jesus thing out, um, there is no charge to check out Jesus, okay? I don't know if you've been to the church where you felt like there was a charge to check out Jesus. Um, this is like the library. You can check Jesus out for free, all right? So we're glad you're here. And so you guys uh, get the out. And last thing I need to say is this. Um, as a church, you guys have been phenomenal over the last two, two, two and a half, three months. Our budget is, is, is where it should be. Like, we're, this is not a, hey, the ship is sinking and please give or the church will fold. It's not that. This is not to scare you. Uh, in fact, we're, we're not doing this message because it's, we're, we're in great dire need. We're doing this message because it's Acts chapter 5 and we're just going to teach God's word. And since the beginning of, of the church 1122, we've just been walking verse by verse through the book of Acts and we're in chapter 5, all right? That being said, you guys ready for, for a little, uh, little Bible teaching? Yeah, see, and, and now that I've moved you away from your fear of me trying to, you know, rip you off for your money, we're all good again. All right. Verse 5, chapter, one, or ver, chapter 5, verse 1. But, okay, pause. Now you see why it's going to take us three years to get through the ver, book of Acts. Um, 
but. Well, why is there a but? Well, when Luke wrote the book of Acts, he, he just kind of wrote. He didn't have chapters and verses. And so he's, he's saying but, and he's about to move into a, a second part of the story. But he's going, hey, don't forget what we just ended uh, in chapter 4. What we talked about last week is a part of this kind of dialogue in this story. Well, what was, what was the but for? Well, but remember Barnabas? Remember, if you, if you weren't here last week, Barnabas um, sold his property. It's kind of this, the end of chapter 4, it talks about how all the followers of Jesus were just meeting each other's needs. And Barnabas sold his property to meet the needs. And he brought the money uh, the, from the property he sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And, and last week, we kicked off our needs board um, to try to echo this in our church. And in the back left corner, um, over there by the dimly lit lamp, um, I, that's for environment and aesthetics. I don't know, feng shui. Um, back there in the corner um, are these, is the needs board. And the needs board is very simple. For those of you who are in need, you are going to go back there after the service, during the sermon if you get bored. Um, just, you know, don't make a lot of noise. And uh, you're just going to write down, here's my need. And on the back side, there is a name and contact number. Then, those of you who are ready to meet needs... You're going to, after the service, go over the needs board. You're going to read them. You're going to find one that you can personally meet. You're going to take the need. You're going to meet it, right? Um, just some things back there. There's some skills that we need. Like there's a, a, someone needs a lawyer, right? That's a skill set. So if you're a lawyer in this room, I know where you need to go after the service. There's also um, there's somebody, uh, maybe an elderly person that needed help with their, uh, with their Christmas lights, right? Student section, y'all cool with that? We can do Christmas lights. Oh, yeah, come on, that guy, he's on it, all right? And so there's a need board back there. Also, another opportunity is uh, Compassion International, right? And we, last Sunday was Compassion Sunday, right? And so just so you know, our goal was 500 packets. We wanted to sponsor 500 new kids. And uh, to date, our records tell us that we sponsored 580, right? That's cool. And uh, we were running out of packets, and uh, so we got 200 more packets there in the back there, and there's some in the lobby. And we know some of you may have found out it was Compassion Sunday and skipped church, and so you can't, you can't skip Compassion Kids. They're still here, right? There's a couple hundred of them. And uh, there's also a Compassion Experience out in the parking lot. You saw these big tractor trailers, right? And uh, all you need to know is that when service is over, you just go get in line if you hadn't done that. That's all you need to know. It's worth your time, all right? So, but, so there's this guy named Barnabas who knew all that God had given him was not just for what he wanted, but it was so he could meet the needs of others. That's, that's the, kind of where this story begins in chapter 4. But a man named Ananias and his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property, and when his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds. To which I read that and go, I'm glad in the Bible like the Bible's got to go, hey, look, his wife knew, right? Because how many women in here, your husband does dumb stuff all the time and you don't know about it until, you know, until you find out with everybody else in the neighborhood. Anybody? Man, not, not as much as I thought. Maybe that's just me. Um, sorry, Blair. All right, with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds. And he, and he brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. To which you kind of got to pause and go, well, what's wrong with that? Like, what's wrong with, he sold the whole property and he brought part of it. What's wrong with bringing part of it? Here's, here's what we're going to find out. It wasn't necessarily that he sold his property and brought part of the money. It's that, that right after Barnabas sold his property and brought all the money, this couple thought, oh, we'll just draft all that off of that, but we're going to keep some back and we won't tell anybody, right? But Peter said, 
Ananias, why has Satan filled your, filled your, filled your, all right, we're doing this together, guys. All right, filled your, good job. All right, he says, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart? Not why did he fill your money bag, not why did he fill your wallet, not why did he fill your checkbook. The question is, hey, Satan filled your heart. And here's what you need to know. The reason we are not going to shy away from talking about money here is because money's not a money issue. Money is a heart issue. The gospel says that we were dead and our heart was dead and that Christ gave us life. And one of the ways we, we kind of flesh that out and live that out is in our, in our worship. But guess what? Worship is more than the way we sing. Worship is the life that we bring in response to who God is and what he has done. And so our worship includes our checkbook. Our worship includes our money. Money is not simply a, a wallet problem. It is a heart problem. It's the reason that when Jesus taught If you go and look at Jesus' teachings throughout the Gospels, he talked about money more than he talked about heaven and hell combined. He talked about money. He said a lot of times, he'd say, hey, you can't serve two masters. You can't serve money and God. Paul wrote that the love of money is the root of evil. Why? Because um, Jesus understood when he said where your treasure is, your heart is also, that money is a heart problem that shows us in reality who's Lord of our life. And so it, money is, it's, it's a heart issue. Verse 3, so Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your, all right, y'all are catching on. Why have you contrived this deed in your heart? You've not lied to man, but to God. He goes, hey, Ananias, like the property was yours, right? Yeah. And even when you sold the property, all the money was yours, right? Yeah. He said, look, Ananias, no one twisted your arm to sell the property. No one forced you to sell the property. You did that on your own. You you responded. You, You decided, I'm going to sell the property. No one forced you to, and yet in your heart, you decided, I'm going to sell the property, and then I'm going to take some of the proceeds and, and send it in into the church. I'm going to keep some. Here's what happens with money. Money reveals our heart. Like money reveals your heart. Not only is money a, money a heart issue, but money is typically one of the best ways to reveal your heart. It is easier for someone to understand you by looking at your checkbook than your journal. It just is. To look at your checkbook, to look at your online statement will tell me more about you than to read your journal. Why? Because money is going to reveal your heart. He says, you have not lied to man, but you have lied to God. This is the picture of hypocrite, right? This is the picture of Ananias trying to leverage God's reputation on his own reputation without even dealing with reality. Here's what I mean. Barnabas came in, he gives all, his, all the money from the property, and everybody's like, man, God's moving, this is awesome. And then Ananias walks in and goes, all right, hey, God, look what I'm doing. Hey, everybody, look what I'm doing for God. And he kind of does this whole, like, kind of this show. He's like, I showed up this Sunday morning, people are gonna be shocked that I was here, but I did it for you, God. And we try to leverage God's reputation to kind of change ours without ever dealing with reality. The problem is, is that does not match up with the gospel. The gospel says this, your reality before Christ is dead. Your reality surrendered to Christ is alive. 
Your reputation changes because of your reality. Can I just be honest with this church? God is far less concerned about our reputation than our reality. Far less concerned about what people think about us and what we think about ourselves than the truth of the fact is that God wants to radically redeem and change our reality in such a way that it just becomes the reputation of us. And yet, this, in a hypocrite type uh, action or mode, um, so many of us try to kind of show up and, and get close to God and kind of just leverage his reputation and hope it changes ours. And the cross says religion doesn't work. Only intimacy with Christ in reality works. Here's what's going on. Let's keep moving. Verse 6. or verse. Uh, let's actually go to verse 5 where we were at. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. Dead. Dead. He brings half of the portions to the, to, to the, to the apostles and lays it at his feet. And, and Peter goes, look, I can, I can see that this isn't, this isn't all that you sold it for. You're trying to lie to God. You, can, you conceived it in your heart that you're going to try to lie to God. And here's what's happened. Boom, he dies. Right? So if we stop here today, then the message, the, the, final, the, the big idea, the final point would be, um, make sure you stop by a giving box on your way out or you may not make it to the parking lot. But we're going to not do that because that may not be true to the scripture. Um, God, God may take you out like that. But I don't, I don't think that's going to be the norm. I think what's happening here is, is God is building his church. And, and, the, and the temptation is to lie to God and, and be a hypocrite and try to leverage God's relationship to, for our own, or his reputation. And I think what God's saying, no, this intimacy, this relationship is so important that if you want to lie to me, that I'm going to make an example. I'm going to set the tone. I'm going to set the bar that, yes, God is full of love and mercy, but he's also full of wrath and justice. And when we, respond, when we our obedience or our disobedience to God allows him to flex and to show himself either as love and mercy or wrath and justice or many times both. And so Ananias, he tries it and God says, no, I'm setting the bar here. And what great fear came upon all who had heard of it, right? If you showed up this morning and was like, hey, you hear about church 1122? They were having church and some guy brought some money down to Pastor Ryan and he said, this isn't all. And, and that guy killed over. Why'd he kill over? He killed over because he lied to God, right? Great fear would shake this place. Why? Because everybody in here has lied to God. Great fear struck, struck the church because they had all at some point lied to God, lied to the Holy Spirit. Verse six. The young men rose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. Which I'm pretty sure is the beginning of student ministry at the church, right? Here, here's why I know this, okay? There's, there's a group of young guys standing around with nothing to do, right? Classified as chilling, but it's really, they're doing nothing, okay? Uh, they're, just, they're just a young dude, they're just hanging out, they got nothing to do. Hey, what are you doing? Chilling? What'd you do yesterday? Chilled, all right? You're not a beverage, okay? And, and at what point do you reach saturation of chilling where it's now time to, to fall out? I don't know. Anyway, so there's just youths and they're just hanging around. And then something at the church needs moved. Well, who do you get for that, right? I call Clifton Stanton. I'm like, hey, bud, he's uh, one of our new gen ministers. Hey, we need to move stuff around. You got any students, right? And then, uh, so this is the beginning of student ministry. People standing around chilling with nothing to do. And then all of a sudden they got to move the heavy stuff, right? I, lo- I love this. They got them up, they wrapped them up, they carried them out and they threw them in a grave. And Ananias' attempt to save a little cost him everything. His attempt to lie to God, to save a little, to try to manipulate the situation and save a little bit of what was already given to him because he lied to God, cost him everything. 
It was Jesus that said, look, if you want to gain your life, then, then you surrender it and you lose it. And you say, you know what, I'm going I'm to die to myself. I'm going to take on my cross. And I'm going to walk in life with Jesus. And he says, look, if you try to keep your life, you're going to end up losing it. You, you cannot save yourself. Verse 7, after an interval of about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. To which I go, what had happened was, I love when the scripture just sets me up like that. So what had happened was, here's what's going on. Uh, Sapphira, she comes in, and it's like we read the scriptures, and sometimes we read the scriptures as if um, we're, just, we're just kind of experiencing a Veggie Tales VBS kind of like, oh, and then she came in. You know, like, and it's a Veggie tail. She's got no arms, but she's holding stuff, and it's confusing. Um, or sometimes when we, yeah, how, how are we raising up our, our next generation of believers, right? You don't have to have arms to carry stuff. Just become a squash, right? It's confusing. Uh, here's the, or sometimes when we read Scripture, you know what our goal is? Just get to the, end, just get to the last verse. We've got to read through this passage to get to the last verse to say we did it. Um, but what you need to know is this is an actual historic event, right? So it's much less like Veggie Tales and probably more like the real housewives of the first century, right? Hashtag R-H-O-1-C, right? Like four people got that and y'all think I'm cool. I'm not, all right? All right, this is more like real housewives. Like she comes in, Sapphira, and her hair, you know, they get the tight angle shot on her. And then they zoom away and you can see the, the teenagers back there, the student ministry back there going, Ooh, right? They're gossiping, and not because they're teenagers, but because they just do what mom and dad does. Um, that's another sermon. I'll save it for later. Uh, but here's the deal. So they're kind of like, they catch the teenagers in the back, and they're like, does she know? Like, she's about to get it. Like, they done took out her husband. Oh, my goodness. And then they do that breakaway to the interview. You know how when you're watching reality TV, there's always that, like, dramatic point, and you're ready for it, and then they go to the interview, and the interview makes no sense. They're always, it's always the interview, and it's the person, like, looking away, going, and that, just the, the heaviness of the moment was like, yeah. And you're like, what in the world's going here? And they flash back to the interview that didn't make any sense. And then all of a sudden, she comes walking down, and it's like tense. And it's like, next week on The Real Housewives of the First Century. And you got to wait a whole week, and then you forget to watch it. And if you didn't DVD, didn't DVR it, now you're angry. At your, anyway, that's just personal confession. Um, and so it kind of has this intense moment where she walks in. Verse 8, and Peter said to her, tell me whether you sold the land for this much. All right? It's like that moment when my pops... Like when I was a teenager, my dad was my youth pastor, my baseball coach, and my daddy, right? So when my pops would go, is there anything I need to know about? I would be like, what arena? Let's start there, right? Church. Oh, hmm. Yeah, let's go to a different arena. There's more to know about there than it was at baseball. And so you know that moment, you're like, is there anything I should know about? And you don't want to tell them because you know there's eight things you should get whooped for, right? Um, a lot of confession for me today. Um, and so that's that moment. Is, is this, did you sell it for this much? Yeah. This is your way out. She goes, and she said, yes, for so much. But Peter said to her, how is this that you've agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? And he goes, how, how did you and your husband decide to test? You know that word test there in the Greek means uh, to attempt to trap. So how come you and your husband got together and you were going to try to trap the Holy Spirit and manipulate the Holy Spirit so you could get what you wanted out of the situation? to which great fear should probably set in our hearts right now. How is it that you and your husband thought you could trap the Holy Spirit? Do you think that you're God of your own life? Do you think that you are in charge? He said, how, how is it? 
He keeps going. Peter says, behold, the feet of those who've buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out. And immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. And when the young men came in, they found her dead and they carried her out and they buried her beside her husband. And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who had heard these things. And church, if we hear that and great fear didn't come on us, we How is it that we think that we can lie and trap the Holy Spirit? Why do we think we can manipulate God to get out of him what we think we need when God is going, I've given you all you need, not for you to get all your wants, but so that you can meet the needs of those around you. And there's something in us and we think, oh my goodness, if I could just manipulate or trick God or leverage God to do this. And in reality, God's going, no, you can't trick me. And in fact, God's going, you don't want to trick me for, because what God's got for us is way better than what we would try to get God to give us. Way better. And here's the deal. I, I, I mean, I, I know that they don't have Romans 8 and, and Romans 6.23 and 2 Corinthians 5.21. I know the first century church didn't have the verses that says there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Right? They didn't have that reassurance. And so they're just going, oh my goodness, God of the Old Testament is back. And there's this reality that sinks in. They're like, oh, we lied to the Holy Spirit. And I think what it causes is repentance. I don't think it causes truly coming face to face with a God who loves us does not cause us to go, man, that message wrecked me. You know what happens with a wreck? Right? You walk away from it. When, when I, the last thing that Pastor Joby and I ever want to hear is that, me- that message wrecked me. Okay? What I want to hear is that message called me to Repentance. It is not my goal to get you all wrecked or get you all emotionally fired up that you go out of here and when the fire fizzles, you just are back to walking in the pattern of this world. My heart is Romans 12 too, that you would be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you would not fall victim to the patterns of this world, right? And so what we hope and what we long for for you, our people, is that you would hear God's word and it wouldn't be a burden to you. We want it to break you so that the Lord can build you back whole and healthy. And here's the truth. The, the weight should be on us right now because uh, the fear was that this, they lied to the Lord. And let's be honest, uh, at some point, every one of us have lied to the Lord. Some of it looks like this. Lord, if you just get me out of this situation, I'll never be here again right? Lord, if you just get me home, I know I drank too much, and I know that I could get a DUI, and I, could, I know I could, I don't even know where home's at right now, Lord, but if you just get me out of this situation, I'll never be here again. And you know how I know you lie? Because you prayed the same prayer again. And your lie, your words to the Lord was, God, just, I don't want to get in trouble, and I want to manipulate you to get me where I want to be, and then I'm going to do what I want to do again. And we do it over and over again. We can go, God, if you just get me out of this situation with this lady or this guy, if you just get me out of this business deal I shouldn't have been in, if you just, if you just, if you, and we lie. We're telling God, a holy and perfect God, if you'll just get me out. And he's going, if I get you out, which I will, because I love you and I'll take care of you. And sometimes getting you out is allowing you to, to face the consequences. Allow them to re, kind of redeem you so that you're broken and humbled and ready for the Lord to move. Another way that we tend to hide, and, I, and this is, I'll just confess again, this is me. I, I'll tend to sin or I'll tend to do something I know is against the holy character of God. And then what I'll do for the next week is try to tiptoe as if God can't see me. Like I'll tiptoe into work. Hey, hey guys, God bless. Ooh, 
Oh, he found me. All right? And I will spend my kind of hiding from him. And, you know, hey, Brian, will you pray for a lot? Yes, dear God, I hadn't talked to you all week long, but they told me to pray because I'm the pastor. And so even when I'm on vacation, I have to pray. Dear Lord, thank you for the food. Amen. All right? And so then I kind of get that out. And then, and then it always happens where I'm praying and God goes, hey, Ryan, can we just be honest about why you've been avoiding me? As if I think that if I just don't talk about it long enough, God will forget or God may not know. And a lot of us, we lie in the fact we try to hide from our, from our creator, who when we wrong him, you know why he wants us to come to him? Not because it's a surprise, but because he wants to forgive us and heal us and continue to walk with us. Third thing is this. Third thing way we lie, and this, that's absolutely, this is a big trap, but sometimes we lie like this. Right? We come in here and the person in front of us has their arms in the air. We lie like that. What do you mean, Ryan? I mean, sometimes we come in here and our worship is fake. We raise our hands and we, we scream and we holler, we dance and we, we close our eyes. And, and some of us, you know, this is as crazy as we get, but this is it right here and we love it, right? And it doesn't matter how you worship. What matters in your worship is not your, 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 uh, the way you're standing or where your hands are. What matters is where your heart is. And so it's just dangerous because many of us come in here and we, we worship and then we take our checkbook and we go, God, you're not getting this. And we lie to God. We go, God, you're Lord of all. And we try to stiff arm him when he tries to be Lord of all. And so there just should be some, some, some weighing on our hearts that uh, when we lie to the Holy Spirit, what we are deserving of. And yet in the same moment that we're deserving of this stuff, the weight, the wrath of God in the same moment, the cross is standing and taking the burden of death that we deserve. And it should release us. And so when we read the passage of Ananias and Sapphira, the story is this. <clears throat> Money stole their heart, and their heart led them away from the Lord. All right? That's why we talk about money here. Verse 12. Now. Now what? Well, now, remember the whole story. This is Acts 5. There's this whole story going on. And, and what he's saying is, hey, now, remember the, the end of chapter 4 and Barnabas and, and, and the giving, the generosity? Now, the generosity... Even in the face of the fact that some people got it wrong. The generosity. Now, because of the generosity, many signs and wonders were regularly being done among the people and by the hands of the apostle. I want you to see this. The generosity, the giving of the people, the financial investment of the people was directly leading to the ministry of the church. There is this unique Picture that we see that, you know what? Money is not evil. In fact, generosity and money used in a way um, that would honor God actually leads to life change and transformation. There's this investment of, of, of worldly funds, just currency into the church. And then what we see is that money and ministry match up. They're not, they don't live on other islands. They coexist. And money and, money and ministry. Now, many signs and wonders are regularly being done by the hands of of the apostle, and they were all together in Solomon's portico, which if you remember uh, back Acts 3 and Acts 4, the kind of the series called Bold we did here, um, that's the same place that Peter and John got arrested and told, hey, don't come back here preaching the name of Jesus, and that's where they went. Um, 13, none of the rest dared join them, but, they, but people held them in high esteem. In other words, all the people go, hey, if you're going back there, much love for you, mad respect, we're going to stay here and uh, pray for you, ready to go, right? Which is why in mission world, there's prayers and there's players and there's and there's payers right because some of you are like i will pray for you god bless you go and there's some of you who need to get behind it financially but there's some crazy people who are just going wherever the gospel needs to go that's what's going on here verse 14 and more than ever believers were added to the lord multitudes of both 
men and women. Do you see this? And the, as it, as there's an in, influx of generosity. There's an influx of boldness. There's a lack of fear. Why? Because the Spirit is leading these men and women in generosity. And the Holy Spirit is leading these men and women to go to the place where the gospel is needed. And mini- the, the, this generosity is fueling this ministry. And it's all Spirit-filled. Verse 15, so that they even carried out the sick into the, into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, it, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from towns and from Jerusalem and bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, they were healed. They were all healed. You see what's going on here? This, this influx of generosity begins to lead these men and women to just, uh, to just ministry avenues that would not have been available without the generosity. But ministry and money begin to partner, and what happens is this. Spiritual needs and physical needs are being met. And one of the, one of the parts of our vision is this, is that we want to be a church about transforming communities, Right? If we go into communities and meet physical needs and never meet spiritual needs, then we have done a disjustice to the people. And if we go into communities and we meet the spiritual needs, but we neglect the physical needs, then what we are doing, it's not showing them an accurate representation of the Jesus of the Bible. And so there is a partnership that we are going to do here. We, we are going to shelter people and feed people and clothe people and give people clean water to drink. And we're also going to tell them about the refuge that the Bible talks about. That there is shelter, but there is shelter in the Lord. And that Jesus is the living water. That Jesus is the bread of life. You know what? We're going to give them bread and tell them about bread. We're going to give them water and we're going to point them to water. That's what we're going to be about as a church. And can I just tell you that so far in like two and a half months, It has been so much of a blessing to watch our people be generous and our generosity lead to life change. Let me just tell you what it looks like so far. 2012, we're like, you know, like we're almost three months old, right? You know, if we were like a baby zebra, we'd be running. But since we're all humans, we take way too long to develop. Compassion, right? This this church sponsors about 2,200 compassion kids, right? That means there's 2,200 families around the world who are being fed, there's children being educated, and the name of Jesus is being preached by the local church. We invest about $1.13 million each year. You, you, you do that. We, because I do too, so we're all part of it, right? We, we just added 580 last week, right? And I bet we're going to add some more today, right? Um, so we always get told by like the church experts, like don't ever do like your like compassion or your like your work, children in poverty. Don't ever do that before you do the like, all right, pay your dollar here first. To which we tell the church, you know, all the experts, okay. And then we just do compassion and then we talk about the budget. You know why? Because you're a generous people and generosity stirs in you to be more generous. And we love it. We love it. Our staff um, sponsors like 44 kids, about $22,000. And it's 44, but I guarantee you by the end of the week it'll be higher. Because every time I show up, somebody's got a new compassion kid, right? Like we've got interns who, who actually cost the church less than compassion kids. Um, we have interns that sponsor multiple kids, right? We've got kids, like college kids, like going to school, and then we give them like a dollar a day to show up, like or maybe a dollar and a half. I don't know. Like you've seen those commercials, like for thirty nine cents a day. Like we don't even pay our interns that, right? And so our interns, who who are our compassion kids, are are invested. That's generosity. That's life change. Um, serve staff. 
Uh, serve staff is what we call, uh, some, some, ter- some people call it volunteers, but we don't have volunteers. We have serve staff. We have people who own the mission and vision of the church, and they are serve staff. They're servants, they're serving, and, and they, have, they have all the, the, the leadership abilities of our staff, and we call them serve staff. And we opened the doors with 475 serve staff, and we added like 90 the other night, Right? There are churches that don't even have 90 people in them, and God is just moving in this place in such a way. There's over 500 people who are showing up multiple times a week to make sure this place is full of love, right? Locally, um, First Coast Women's Services, it's a ministry um, to, to, to young moms, to moms. It's, it's um, hearing stories from them. They're, they're, they're taking young women who are kind of contemplating abortion and, and leading many of these women uh, to, to give life and, and not, to take, not to abort the child. And there's a ministry uh, uh, even in this that's, that's coming alongside of women who made the decision to have an abortion and are hurting. And they're, they're doing ministry to those women. And this place, man, it's just, it's just amazing to hear and to see, right? Uh, we're also doing partnering with Heartfelt Ministries, which is a um, direct ministry to the elderly of our community. Just got vetted, uh, voted like best in Jacksonville. We're also partnering with Bean, which is a, a, a Beaches Emergency Assistance Ministry across the ditch. And uh, they are providing food and, and clothing, and we, we help provide that. We, part of our budget sponsored that. Part of some of our big gifts uh, partner with them. Um, and then we, we got a, a prayer request a few weeks ago that said, please pray for the University of Florida. And so we partner with B.J. Chandler, and we, we commissioned him to go to the gates of hell and lead people in Gainesville to Jesus. And so... Um, he's, he's amazing. And uh, I think he's even like a Florida fan. So like he took the, I become all things to all people way too literally. Okay. Um, globally, we're partnering with ACOA, uh, refuge, which is an orphanage in Uganda. And we partner with them, uh, and, and we help, help them provide housing for kids who have been orphaned and forgotten and, and m- many other things there. Uh, and actually we're, we're getting ready to send some trucks over some, some kind of uh, trucks to go into the bush and pick kids up and some uh, medical trucks and all kind of different things. It's probably going to cost about $25,000 to get those trucks there, and that'll be part of our budget. And if you want to go ahead and invest in that part of the budget, um, Stacey Brown's on the front row, and she'd love to help you do that. Um, is that cool? She's cool. All right. She's cool with that, right? All right. Compassion International, we also sponsor child survival programs. There are kids who are too young uh, to be a sponsored kid. They're infants and, and babies, and we, we uh, provide money uh, to communities to keep those infants alive. And also leadership development, which is where we're partnering with Compassion to get kids through college so they can go back and be community leaders. And also uh, Faithful Servant Ministries. We're, we're partnering around the world. And if you want to look at something that talks about generosity leading to life change, let me tell you about this. 153 people since we've opened the doors at this church have surrendered their life to Jesus. 153 salvations. In 2013, we're sending 13 mission trips throughout the whole world. So God is doing some things. And just for a second, I just want to open up and be very honest with you and say, here, here's where we're going for the next year. Just kind of a high level. I got a, a fun chart for you. Actually, Stacey Brown and her team uh, did this chart. If, if you don't trust me with your money, like I kind of okay with that, but you should trust us because Stacey Brown's on our team and she was like a CFO for a real successful business and God called her to ministry and we are so blessed to have her here uh, because Pastor Joby and I can go, hey, we're not getting arrested because Stacey's here, Right? And she's not getting arrested either because 
she's here, right? So God bless you, Stacy. all right? 2013, I just want to just high level walk you through what, our, what it looks like. We talk about being generous. We want to, you know, what we're doing. We want to be upfront and honest and, and just open. Um, here's the deal. Uh, giving. We invest 10% into giving. Why? We want to lead the way for our people. So 10% we invest. We invest it in church planning. We invest it in different missionaries around the world. We are investing 10% of our money into planning churches around the world. Saving. Um, We save 5%. We want to create margin for in case something happens that we don't see coming or in case an opportunity comes up. We want to be able to to get after it and not be held back because we we weren't wise with our money. Staffing, 42%. You you know what I know about staffing? Here's, here's, Here's the truth. People lead people to Jesus. Like, people do it. Like, people. So we, we are very low in our investment on programs because programs don't lead people to Jesus. People lead people to Jesus. And so um, most churches our size are like 50% or more in their staffing budget. And we're, we're trying to be as lean as we can in money, but also in the realization of people lead people to Jesus. Um, and I'll also just say the reason we're able to be lean is because we have 500 plus serve staffers. So thank you for allowing us to do that. Ministry initiatives, that's 20%. That's everything from buying candles and and buying construction paper for new gen for kids. And so uh, servant ministry, spiritual formation, new gen. Basically, when we're doing the ministry, ministry costs money. And so we're we're using that money and investing it into ministry initiatives. Um, Facility and operations, 20%. We built this building very intentionally so that we would have zero excess. We don't have a lot of meeting spaces. Um, in fact, if you're coming to our missions meeting tomorrow, you'll come in here because we don't have like a missions meeting room. It, we just have a room and we like it. And so we spend a lot of time in this room, right? And, we, and if, if, if you ever get a chance to come back in the offices, you'll go, oh yeah, this is zero excess, right? Um, we brought our staff in and said, hey, um, we didn't have the money to invest in like real high fancy cubicles. So we've built some. Okay, what? Well, cool, where are they? Well, we went and got old doors and filing cabinets and voila. And they're all like, okay, as long as people are getting led to Jesus and I don't get splinters, I'm good with this, right? And here's the cool, here's the thing not many people know. Um, churches get light bills and we thought it would be a good ministry if we pay them, right? That would be, speak highly of our integrity. So we pay, that's our facilities and operations. Debt reduction, debt reduction over and above upon this rock, we are investing in reducing our debt. It, it, we want to lead our people in that. And you know what? We want to get rid of the debt, right? We want to get rid of the debt by 2015 so that whatever comes next, that we are sitting on go, ready to do it. Um, next year's, next year's budget is about $3.3 million. That's averaging out to about $25 a person, right? And some people are like, man, I'm paying for other people. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. That's okay. Like, it's not like a maximum, right? Um, it's $25 a person because here, here we know there's 153 people who just came to know Jesus. And so guess what? Um, we have to disciple them and help them learn to give. And so um, we want to make goals that are realistic, right? Here, here's the point. Here's the point is this. Ministry costs money, right? It just does. There's no way around it. Uh, ministry costs money. Um, the, this experience costs this church a certain amount of dollars and ministry costs money. This is true. But here's what I want you to hear. Don't let money cost you your life. Now, I'm not suggesting that if you brought half of what you were going to bring for your tithe, that God will kill you dead and our student section will have to carry you out. It might happen. I just don't think that's a probability. What I'm saying is this, is that God has given you everything you need. 
God has given you everything you need to invest in ministry, in ministry of this church and the ministry of your life. God has given you everything you need. Do not waste the gift of life running after the idol of money. It'll never satisfy, and you'll never catch it. It'll never satisfy, and you'll never catch it. First Timothy chapter 6 says this, As for the rich, if you'll look right and left, that's who he's talking to. If you had breakfast this morning, you were part of like the 1% to 2% of the richest people in the world. If you had options for breakfast, right, you were like top half percent, right? As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God. Your money is not where your hope should be. It's only in the giver of it. God who richly provides us with everything to in joy. God has given us what he's given us to, to have joy. Like God did not give you money to make you happy. He gave you money so that you would enjoy the life that he's given you. He's blessed you to live life and enjoy it. The other side of it too is God didn't give you money to, t- to test you. God's like, here's $10 and I'll give it all away or I hate you. No, God said, I've given you money for, it, it's all you need to enjoy life and to be successful in ministry. They are to do good, to be rich in good works. Now, once you know, he's not pre- this is not a letter to like, hey, Timothy, tell all the pastors they need to have good ministry. No, this is to the people. Be good and be rich in good works. Be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Here's what, here's what Paul's telling Timothy to tell the people. He says, hey, look, for the rich people, guess how you're rich. It wasn't your wise investment strategy. It was God. He gave it to you. He gave it to you that you would enjoy it, that you would have a blessed life. But he also gave it to you that you wouldn't just store up your treasures here, but that you would invest in treasures that are only going to be understood in eternity. Now, he's not saying don't have money, don't enjoy life. He's saying, look, don't let your life be, be, be ruined by money. Let me say it this way. Spend money on your life. Don't spend your life on money. I was on Hodges Boulevard heading to breakfast, and I was late because it was before 10 o'clock. And then just if it's before 10 o'clock, assume I'm late because I don't get up well, okay? I got way too much to do up here with the hair area to get anywhere on time. Um, and I'm on Hodges, and I'm, I'm crossing over Beach Boulevard, and I see this crow. And the crow, ca, 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 he comes flying in, and he gets this big mouth food of whatever someone left on Hodges Boulevard. And it may have been some other animal. I don't know. It was kind of gross. And so he goes flying off with this mouthful of stuff, and like a little piece of crumb falls off. Mouthful of stuff, little piece of crumb, traffic, right? Uh, has everything he needs. He can probably take it back and have a meal for the whole family. What does a crow do? Dives bomb back in for the crumb, Right? Ryan has a very strict policy. I do not break or swerve for animals, right? Even if it's your dog. I'm not, I'm not running my car in a ditch for your dog. I'll, I'll pray for you afterwards, okay? So guess what happens? Crow flies in. Right? I ease off the pedal because I'm not sadistic, but I'm all, you know. And boom, I hit it. It goes flying over in my side view mirror. I see it bounce down the road. You know what? That crow had everything he needed, but he spent his life trying to pursue what he didn't have. And I'm afraid that in America and our culture... We may have everything we need, and we may risk our lives pursuing an idol of money. Don't spend your life pursuing something that's unreachable. Let me just, let me just give you some quick steps here on how to do this, right? Because I love you. I don't want to just say, hey, go chase, you know, go love Jesus. You know, like, hey, and I want to give you, how do you do this? How do we walk this out, right? And remember, um, this isn't us begging you. 
This is us caring about you. It's different. Number one, plan. Start the habit. All right, if you've noticed, there's not been a single plate passed in front of you. Why? Because we want you to give cheerfully, not under compulsion. And that means that you're going to have to plan and start to do it. Here's how we give here. We have giving boxes all around the room. We'd love during your response, during your worship. That's how we give. You can also put your prayer requests there. They they function as a lot of stuff. Um, We just added two new kiosks. And if you thought they were ATMs, thank you for your contribution. Um, They're not. They're giving kiosks because we know in in this world, checks and cash, I don't know where they all went, but nobody's got them anymore. They're all in some bank stored up somewhere. I don't know. So you can use your debit card. You can also do e-giving. You know we're moving your heart from running after money to going, I'm going to use my heart to run after Jesus, and I'm going to use money to help other people. It shifts when you go, I'm a plan. I've got a plan. Priority. Give God what you have first, right? Here, here's just the law of, of science. If you have a $100 bill and you're going, I'm going to give God $10, but you're going to wait to the last $10, it's probably not going to be there. You know, how, you know what they invented money to do? To spend it, right? They invented money to be spent. That's the whole, the whole idea behind money. And so if you uh, try to wait until the end and go, okay, I'm going to give God what's left, it just, you're, not, you're probably not going to be very good at that. And you're going to pursue money instead of Jesus. And so um, I challenge you to to priority, give first, right? Percentage, go ahead and determine what part you're gonna bring to God. Just just sit down before your check gets to you, go, okay, I'm gonna give X percent. No matter how much my check is, I'm gonna give X percent to to a local church and and, and this is your local, this is your church, then here, I'm gonna give X percent, right? If you're under under 30, you need to do this now, right? Because when you're working at Subway for like eight bucks an hour, a percent of that is not as uh, scary as a percent of one day when you're making like 150,000. Go ahead and give the percent now. And give it first. Give it first. I promise, promise God's not going to let you down. Progressively, if you give X percent and, you're, and you're, um, you're, you're, what you're making, your salary is growing and growing and growing and growing, what I would challenge you to do is set a percent of living and then everything beyond that, give. I was talking to one of our elders as we were kind of preparing this, uh, this deal. We came out of the compassion experience. And he said, you know what, Ryan? My goal is that before I die, I want the percent that I give away to be higher than the percent I keep and spend. Well, that's progressive. That's more than 10%. And finally, pr- just praise God. Like, praise God. Watch him move. When you begin to generously give and life change begins to happen in your home and in your neighborhood and in your church and in Jacksonville becomes radically transformed, then it's your job to sit back and go, God, you are awesome. All I did was give you some breadcrumbs and you fed thousands. And when we begin to invest what God's given us into what God's leading us to do, it will lead us to worship. It will. And I just want to kind of end with a little personal story. And here's the deal. God doesn't want your money. If he wanted it, he would just take it. It's already his, right? And I know for some of you, especially some of you, this is a brand new concept. This is scary. And I remember when me and my wife first got married, um, I was, God told me to travel and to speak and to preach. And, and she was working at a bank. And I had to call her sugar mama a lot because I, I just wasn't making enough money. And, and she was just 
providing for us. And I remember over and over and over again, we would go and we would give first. We would give percent and we'd give first. And then once we were done giving, as God told us to give, then we would look at the bills and then we would get scared. And I remember, well, I mean, there was times where we had like 10 bucks in the bank account and the electricity bill was $108. And I don't, I don't remember how many times I'm looking at it and, and the moment I'm about to just burst into tears that I can't take care of my family, God would call, uh, God would send what we needed. I'd get a call from a guy going, hey, I'm sick and we want to pay you $115 if you'll just come preach for 20 minutes to our middle schoolers. And I'd go, okay, we'll, we'll be there. And I can even get a burger on the way. God, thank you for providing And here's what it did for me. It was not me. No longer was it me trying to go, hey, God, I'm going to give you this so that that I can trick you into taking care of me. Or I'm going to give you this to try to manipulate the situation. What it was is, God, it's all yours, and I'm just going to let you be my God. Like, I'm just going to let you be God, and I won't. Because when I'm God, I I don't get it right. And so, God, yes, you can have whatever percent you want. It's all yours anywhere. Yes, I'll give out of priority. I'll give first. I'll give progressively. It's not because I'm trying to trick you into blessing me and hooking me up. It's because you are God, and I don't know what else to do besides let you be God. And so let me just tell you, people, we love you. And the reason we even dip in and spend time in a message about your money is because we want you to know that God wants your heart. And so the way we're going to respond um, is just by spending some time in that kind of that attitude. If God wants my heart, and so I'll give God my heart. Some of you, that's going to mean you're going to go to a giving box or a kiosk and invest your money and go where my treasure is, my heart is also. Some of you, it means you need to come down and put your knee on this altar and repent and confess You've been trying to manipulate God to do what you wanted him to do. And now it's time you're surrendering and you're going to let him be God. And some of you just need to come down our elders and staff and just pray and confess. And just you're scared and that's okay. We're going to pray boldness over you. Would you stand with me? We're going to respond. God, we want you to be God. God, we want you to be God of everything, Lord of all. And so God... We just confess openly that we have clung to some things in attempts to try to manipulate you or in attempts to, to really just communicate we don't trust you. So God, I pray, just help us give generously. God, help us to trust you. God, help us to love you. And God, I just pray in this moment as we respond that we would just respond appropriately. Father God, it's in your precious name we pray. Amen. Let the mountains move We come with expectation Waiting here for you Waiting here for you You're the Lord of all creation Still you know my heart author of salvation loved us from the start